Welcome to today's Bible study with Pastor Josh Tice. The next time you're in Las Vegas, we'd love to meet you in person at Southern Hills. If you happen to watch us regularly, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and consider sharing this video with a friend. You can support the ministries of Southern Hills by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab. Now, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn how the Bible is relevant in your life today. And are you ready to study the Bible? If you are, give me an amen. We are so glad you're here today. We're in the book of Luke. If you're new to the church, we're studying through the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter number six, verses one through five is our text today. We are in the midst of a sermon series entitled Disruptor from Old to Bold. It is a three-week sermon series, and if you're new here, you found yourself in the, right in the middle, week number two. And who is the disruptor that we're talking about? Who's the disruptor that we're studying? Who is it? Shout it out. Jesus. Four of you. Great. I'm glad to know that four of you are... It's Jesus. Jesus is the disruptor. I'm going to say, who's the disruptor? You say, Jesus. Who's the disruptor that we're... Not, not, it's too soon. You're like, Jesus, I got it. Okay, I get it. I'm going to ask the question, then you respond in turn. Do we have to go through a rehearsal for next week? Is it, we're all practicing for Easter, aren't we? That's right. Who's the disruptor in the story? Jesus. Wow, that was like you guys just right on the money. Right there it is. Jesus is the disruptor. And that's exactly who he is. When Jesus arrives, he disrupts the status quo, the political system, the religious system, the financial system, the family system, everything within his culture, Jesus essentially flips over the tables and, uh, and kind of challenges the leadership of his society. And we're in the midst of that right now. Now, when Jesus arrived in his day and age, the political leadership was also the religious leadership, one and the same. And they went by various titles like scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees. And we've talked about that in the last couple of weeks. Today, he's in the midst of addressing those individuals. And today's sermon is entitled, Pause, the Discipline of Rest. He's going to talk about the Sabbath and how the Sabbath is a good thing that had become a God thing and had by the religious people been turned into a bad thing. Let's pray. Father, as we study your word today, give us insight and apply it to our lives. I'm thankful for my friends. I'm thankful that they came to study today, to worship you, to pray, to spend time in your presence. Now, as we have demonstrated our devotion to you by being here, I pray that you would reward us with truth from your Bible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. How many of you love the weekend? You love the weekend? How many of you love the weekend? Can I get an amen? Raise your hand. How many of you love the weekend? I'm not talking about the band. Some of you are like, I love the weekend. I'm talking about like the actual Saturday, Sunday. How many of you have a traditional Saturday, Sunday weekend? How many of you are like that? How many of you? Two in this. That, that makes sense for Las Vegas. Your days off are Saturday, Sunday. Raise your hand if that's you. How many of you like that? Okay, I would say about maybe 30% of the crowd. How many of you have other days off? A lot of people downtown, Wednesday, Thursday. How many of you like that? Okay. So a lot of people have different days off throughout the week. Today we're talking about the idea of a, a really two days off as a weekend. And you say, why would we talk about that word in church? Well, because actually the history of the weekend finds itself actually in Judeo-Christian history. Well, that's right. Actually, the Sabbath itself was first established in the book of Genesis when God created the world. 
And so God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested, and they called that the Sabbath. And the Sabbath, the day off, is a gift from God to mankind. It wasn't just the the creation story, we see this. It's actually in the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus, where we see that Moses codified and by law gave the gift of the Sabbath to the people of God, the Israelites of the Jewish community. Now, how, do you, how is it that we have a two-day weekend to this point? Well, for that, you can thank Judeo-Christian history. Um, throughout history, uh, it's, been, it's very unique that we live in the society that we do today with Saturday and Sunday or two days off. It's very unique. It's not a, it's not a usual thing throughout history. How did it arrive? Well, back in 321 AD, 1,700 years ago, almost exactly, there was an emperor of Rome named Constantine, and Constantine became a Christian. And when he became a Christian, he actually established the law that throughout all the Roman Empire, because he was now a Christian and there were many Christians in the Roman Empire, that people would no longer have to work on Sunday. That was the first time throughout history there was a codified law for a broad empire that there would be a day off. And so throughout Christian history, Christians have celebrated the Lord day to remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday, which is a Sunday. So we've taken the Lord's day. I'm going to say, what is the Lord's day? You say Sunday. What is the Lord's day? Sunday. Sunday. And so throughout history, it's been that way. Now, why in America do we have Sunday and Saturday off? Well, that's because in the early 1800s, the United States had a lot of immigration. Aren't you thankful for immigrants who come in and help make our country a better place? Amen. And that's what happened when the Jewish community began to immigrate from Europe. They came into the United States. And there in the United States, there were a lot of them who would refuse to go to work on Saturday because that was their Sabbath. From Friday night to Saturday night was their 24 hours off, and they celebrated it religiously. And so there were a lot of Christians who would work on Saturday, but they would not. And so what we saw is the entire industrial complex began to shift and change and say, we have Saturdays off for the Jews and Sundays off for the Christians. Well, then the Christians were like, we should have Saturdays off too. And the Jews were like, we need to have Sundays off too. And so now all of America has two days off. We're the best. Give us a round of applause, right? USA, USA, right? There it is. This is how we got the two-day weekend. And it really is, historically, you can study this, even from a secular perspective, where does the two-day weekend come from that is spread now around the world? And it has to do with Judeo-Christian history. The question is not about the history of of the Sabbath or the day off. The question that we arrive at is today, should the Christian celebrate the Sabbath? How should we observe the Sabbath? One of the 10 commandments is to keep the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So what is the Sabbath and should I keep it? Luke chapter six, verses one through five, help us understand about the Sabbath. Let's go ahead and see it, what it says in verses one through five. Now, it happened on a second Sabbath after the first that Jesus went through the grain fields. Jesus, on a Saturday, is walking with his disciples through a, a farming area. And as he's walking through these grain fields, his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing, rubbing them together in, his hand, in their hands. They, they grabbed some barley or wheat of some kind and they, they rubbed it together. All the chaff fell out. They had the kernels of, of wheat and they just ate it. They're snacking. How many of you like to snack? Can I get an amen, right? You're a disciple of Jesus too. So they're snacking along the way, eating it. And uh, by the way, this seems weird, right? Like, let me ask you a question. Was this Jesus's farm? Yes or no? No, 
And the answer is no. I should have set you up. The answer is no. I'm going to ask it again. You say no. Is this Jesus' farm they're eating from? Yes or no? No. Is it the disciples' farm that they're eating from? Yes or no? No. Okay. Whose farm is it? Nobody knows. The Bible doesn't say. They're just walking through somebody's farm. They grab a bunch of wheat, presumably, barley, or whatever it is, and they're eating these, this stranger's food. You say, well, that's terrible. Well, actually, according to their law, it was completely fine. Remember, they lived in uh, the, the, the land of Israel, and they were following Israeli law or the Torah. And according to Deuteronomy chapter 23, if you were hungry and you were walking through somebody's farm and you wanted to eat something, you could take it and eat it just to fill you up. Hungry people should not go hungry, so you could do that. Now, the law was you couldn't take a bucket or a container and be like, I'm really hungry today and tomorrow and the next day. Like, that was against the law, but you could do this, and that was part of the law during the time. So was Jesus breaking the law that he was taking from other people's fields? Yes or no? No, no. But look at what it says. It says... In verse two, some of the Pharisees said unto them, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Now, who are these Pharisees? Remember the religious leaders and rulers that we talked about last week in the last few weeks. And they were upset with Jesus and they said, why are you doing this? They weren't upset that he was taking the food. That was according to the law. They were upset that he was doing this on Sabbath. And according to their law, you could not pluck grain and eat it on the Sabbath because in doing so, that would be working. More on that in just a moment. So they're yelling at Jesus for not being religious enough. How many of you agree it's probably a weird place to be if you're yelling at Jesus for not being as holy as you are, right? (laughs) They're yelling at Jesus because he's not as good as they are. Can I just stop and say this? Pharisees, legalists, religious hypocrites They are always watching. They're always watching Jesus and they're always watching the disciples of Jesus. They're always keeping a close eye on you to make sure that you're living up to their their standards of righteousness, making sure that you're following all of their rules. And if you're not careful, you're gonna be intimidated. And if you're a people pleaser, you're gonna try to follow everybody's rules and everybody's laws. And the reality is what you need to do is say, what does the Bible say about that? Because I wanna follow God in the Bible, not your rules. And that's exactly what was going on here. So they're always watching to spy out their liberty, verse three. But Jesus answered and said unto them, I love that Jesus has an answer. He says in verse three, have you not read this, that David, what David did when he was hungry and, and, uh, and those who were with him, how he went into the house of God and took and ate the showbread and also gave to some of those that were with him, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. So Jesus' response is very simple. He says, thank you guys. I appreciate you pointing out my weakness here, my problem, my sin. I know I'm not as holy as you. I have a question for you. They're like, what do you want, Jesus? He said, do you remember that story in the Bible? And they're like, of course I remember the story in the Bible. We're religious leaders. And he's like, you remember that story where Jesus, where, where David, you remember King David? Yeah, we love King David. He's like the greatest ruler who ever was. You remember how David was on the run away from Saul and he was kind of a fugitive and he had all of those fight, fighters, the mighty men of David that were with him. And they were one day walking by the tabernacle and they're like, yeah, we remember that story. And you know how in the tabernacle, there's like these specific number of loaves of bread that are baked every day in the morning and they're placed out on the table of showbread. And every day those loaves sit there all day long until the sun goes down. And then the priests take those and they eat them. And only the priests, according to the Torah, are allowed to eat those. And those guys are like, yeah, we know that story, yeah. And do you remember how David walked by and said to the high priest, hey, I'm hungry and my guys are hungry and we're on a mission from God. 
give us the bread. And the high priest was like, no, you can't eat the bread because that's God's bread and our bread. And David's like, it's okay. I talked to God, everything's cool. And the high priest was like, okay. And he brought the bread and then David ate the bread with his friends and everything was fine and God did not condemn them. Did David break the law technically? That's Jesus' question and the answer is obvious, yes. But I'm sure the Pharisees were thinking to themselves, yeah, but David is the king of Israel. To which Jesus says in verse five, but I, the son of man, am the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, I can do whatever I want to do because I created the Sabbath in the first place and I created you and I created everybody else. So with all that being said, that's the story background. You might be asking yourself, okay, Pastor Josh, what is the Sabbath and should I keep it? What is the Sabbath and what do I need to know about it? How do I need to follow? And so in this sermon today, in the next 25 minutes, I'm gonna give you three aspects of the Sabbath that you need to know. If you're ready for it, give me an amen. amen. Number one, number one, legalism and the Sabbath. Say it with me, legalism and the Sabbath. Say it with me, legalism and the Sabbath. They say, what are we talking about? The Sabbath was a gift from God, but religious hypocrites can take a good thing and turn it into a bad thing. Pharisees and legalists can take a good thing and turn it into a bad thing. A legalist is somebody who doesn't believe you can get to God by grace and stay with God by his grace. They constantly feel that you have to keep working to earn God's approval. Now think about that. What kind of a family do you live in if all you have to do is constantly work to earn your father's approval? What a sad family that would be. That's not the way God's family works. God says, I love you. Why, because I'm amazing? No, I love you because, even though you're an idiot. That's why I love you. By the way, that's exactly what every father says to his children. I love you, but you're an idiot. You know what I mean? And so the Bible says, even though we're all sinners, we're allowed to be in the presence of God, not because we're good, but because God is good. Not because we're without sin, but because he's without sin. But a legalist, he muddies the water by creating all sorts of religious rules. And that's one of the rules that we're talking about. You see, the Sabbath was a good thing that they turned into a bad thing because they created so many rules around it. What, what, what do we need to know about this? Well, number one, the Sabbath was established at creation and codified at Sinai as a gift from God at creation to all mankind and as a gift from Moses and God to all the people of God. This was a gift, a gift of a day off. Wouldn't it be amazing if at work this week, your CEO, your boss came in and said, hey, I made a new rule. Everybody gets an extra day off from now on to the end of the year, and you still get paid for it. How many of you would like that? Can I get an amen right there? Yes, that would be amazing. Well, this is essentially what God is doing, and the people of God are being told. But the Sabbath was not just established at creation and codified at Sinai. It was exaggerated by the rabbis. The religious leaders took a good law from God, and they exaggerated it by adding all sorts of extra rules and all sorts of extra laws on top of it. The best way to describe this, in my opinion, is what I call the principle of the fences. The principle of the fences. If you happen to have, let's say, a farm, and in that farm, you had um, out in the middle of a field, there was a well, 
And that well was an empty well and it was dug up and it's dangerous because, you know, your farm animals and children could slip in and fall in. What might you do to keep people from falling in? Well, what you might do is put a fence around it so nobody would fall in. How many of you agree this is a good thing, right? And so you put a fence there to make sure people don't fall in. Is touching the fence falling into the hole? No, but the fence keeps people from falling into the hole. Let's go ahead and visualize this by pointing out the, point, the word sin. Sin is anything you think, do, or say that displeases God. It's breaking one of God's actual laws, like thou shalt not murder, and thou shalt not commit adultery, and thou shalt not lie. It's a sin. I'm gonna say, if you touch the sin, is it wrong? You say yes. If you touch the sin, is it wrong? Yes, don't go near the sin. Now, you might say, well, how are we gonna keep people from the sin? Well, what we often do, what people, humans like to do, is we like to put a fence around the sin to keep people from the sin. So for this story, it was a sin to work on the Sabbath day. That was the law. God said, don't work on the Sabbath day. And so what the leadership did is they created a fence saying, not only should not work on the Sabbath day, we're going to create extra rules that can keep you from touching the sin. Fences to keep everybody safe. They say, well, what kind of fences did they have? Well, the law of God was don't work on the Sabbath day. To define that law, they created 39 categories of work. 39 categories to define work, and underneath each and every one of those categories, they had all sorts of specific rules, dozens. So I'll give you a list. This is, if thou shalt not work, and this is what they mean by it. They added laws. That means no carrying, no burning, no extinguishing, no finishing, no writing, no erasing, no cooking, no washing, no sewing, no tearing, no nodding, no uniting. Uniting, that's a dangerous thing. No shaping, no plowing, no planting, no reaping, no harvesting, no threshing, no winnowing, no selecting, no sifting, no grinding, no kneading, no... I mean, it's exhausting, these are all the rules they added to. God said, hey, I want you to have a day off. I want you to have a day off. So don't work on this day. Then the religious leaders are like, well, what does that mean? Here's 39 categories and a bunch. Of, by the way, here's one category, reaping. Okay, under reaping, they have, this is what the rules under reaping. No cutting, no plucking, no growing, no picking a fruit. Don't pick a fruit because if you're picking a fruit, that's harvesting. And if you're harvesting, that's sin. And so they're creating these extra fences to keep you from the actual sin. No climbing a tree because you might climb that tree. People might be wondering, what's he doing up in that tree trying to harvest? This is true. You are not allowed to smell a growing flower. Because if you smell a growing flower, you might accidentally pluck it, and in doing so, you reaped, and you worked. And so this is what the religious leadership of the day did. They put one fence, then they put another fence, and then they put another fence. And then after years and years of putting fences to keep people from the actual sin, they began to conflate their fence with the actual sin. So it used to be, well, if you fall in that pit, you've sinned. Now it's that there, if you touch my fence, you've sinned. See, the, let me ask it this way. Is there anything wrong with creating a personal standard, a fence to keep you personally from sin? Is there anything wrong with that? Yes or no? No, no. There's nothing wrong with that. There are certain streets that Christian men who have told me in Las Vegas that they don't drive down. 
That's a fence to protect them from going to a place they shouldn't go, right? There's nothing wrong with creating a fence. The problem is when you begin to conflate your fence with God's law. And the second problem is whenever you begin to look at your fence and demand that everybody else don't touch your fence, that's a sin. Does this make sense? This is what they were doing. Legalism here, or I should say the Sabbath here, really is an illustration for all sins or for all God's laws. We do this not just when it comes to the Sabbath day, we do it when it comes to all sorts of problems. The problem is not putting up a fence. The problem is conflating your fence with God's law and demanding everybody obey your fence. Pharisees, good guys or bad guys? Bad guys. I'm gonna ask it again. Pharisees, good guys or bad guys? They're bad guys because they're creating extra rules that God never intended and then calling Jesus out on their rules. Now, one of the things that I think is fascinating about the Bible is that the Bible is like a good story, like a good movie, like a good novel. It's good in that even the bad guys are not one-dimensional. Like you understand their background, you understand their motivation. Have you ever seen a a movie where the bad guy was just like a a one-dimensional, you know, image of, of some bad guy, but there's no backstory, there's nothing interesting about their backstory? The Pharisees here are fascinating because in reality, if you understand their backstory, you understand why they are the way they are. They're not just evil people out there trying to control everybody. When you come across a Pharisee, a legalist, a religious person who's hypocritical, but they're demanding everybody follow their rules and their fences, you have to understand where they came from. Let me explain the Pharisees, for example. The Pharisees were not created in in a historical vacuum, meaning there's a backstory to where they came from and why they take rules so seriously. You see, 150 to 200 years before Jesus ever came, there was a giant war that took place right in Jerusalem. It was a big battle. It was a big problem. It was led by the people of God, and the people of God in the Jewish community were called the Maccabees. Say the Maccabees. The Maccabees, if you ever study, it's a fascinating story. The Maccabees were zealous for God to bring back God's religion and to bring back God's people to freedom. You see, Israel at that point had been taken over by the Greek empire and the Greeks were demanding that Israel no longer worship God and, no, and they had to worship their false gods. Would it bother you? How many of you are with me? Would it bother you if we had another nation take over Las Vegas and demand you were no longer allowed to go to church and you had to worship their gods. Would that bother some of you? Would would some of you be willing to even fight for your freedom? If you would, say amen. amen. Okay, so you would be like a Maccabee. The Maccabees fought for the political freedom. They fought for the religious liberty and they fought dearly. Why? Because they knew the reason they were in this mess is because for hundreds of years, they had been ignoring the laws of God. For hundreds of years, they had been not reading the Bible. For hundreds of years, they've been ignoring the Ten Commandments. For hundreds of years, they've been ignoring what God told them to do. And now that they took back the nation, they instituted very strict rules. And all of these rules had lots of fences around them to make sure the people of God never went back into the problems that they were in. So the Maccabees were very serious about God and they passed down their seriousness about God to the generation and the next generation and the next generation. And each generation added more fences and more fences. So by the time you get to Jesus, most of these people have left behind the Lord of the Sabbath so they could focus on the laws they've created. And they were serious about these laws. Sometimes in your life, 
come across religious hypocrites. You're gonna come across legalists and Pharisees. And you're gonna think of them as one-dimensional, just bad people who try to control everybody. But in reality, they may have these very serious rules set in place for their life because of something they experienced to keep them from sin. Or maybe something their parents or grandparents went through. And so they're very serious about their rules. They're very serious about their fences. And so serious they are, they'll say, if you cross my fence, you've sinned against God. Have you sinned against God? No, you just crossed their fence. Not only will they conflate their rules with God's law, they'll also demand, I won't have anything to do with you if you cross my fence. Why do they feel that way? Because of the history of their family, their denomination, their life, or their personal experience. That's who the Pharisees are, and that's the backstory of understanding why they took these things so seriously. Now that we understand who they were, that doesn't mean they were right. They were sincere about their laws, but they were sincerely wrong. You see, legalism is an inherence to the letter of the law while ignoring the Lord of the law. Jesus, the son of God, was literally standing there right in their face. And all they could think about was, you guys picked off grain and ate it with your hands. What are you doing? And Jesus is like, I'm here. I'm amazed at how many quote unquote Christians or religious people are so obsessed with the rules of their religion, yet they ignore Jesus every day in their life. Legalism is an adherence to the letter of the law while ignoring the Lord of the law. Legalism is obsessed with tradition and overlooks the sovereign. They're obsessed with, well, that's not the way we've always done it, and I'm not sure I like it. It's not the way I was raised, and my mama said, and my daddy said. I'll be very kind when I say this, but nobody cares what your mama and daddy said. Nobody cares. It should have no bearing on your life. You say, that's rude. I'm telling you to be a biblicist. You should not say, what did mama say? You should say, what does the Bible say? You should not say, what did daddy say? You should say, what does the Bible say? If you come from some religious background, maybe you've got some kind of a, a denominational religion, and I wanna, I wanna quote Pope so-and-so, and I wanna quote preacher so-and-so, and I wanna quote pastor so-and-so, I wanna quote, quote imam so-and-so. Why don't you quote the Bible? What does the Bible say? Legalism is obsessed with tradition and overlooks the sovereign. Can you imagine looking into the eyes of God and saying, I think you're breaking the Ten Commandments. <laughs> you might not know any better, Jesus, but there's this whole thing called the Sabbath and you better start following it or we're not gonna like you anymore. Who do you think you are this is legalism in the Sabbath. Let's move on to point number two. We've already studied, and I believe that's the main point of this passage, is talking about legalism and the Sabbath being an illustration of legalism. But number two, let's talk today as we continue, talk about the Lord of the Sabbath. This will help you as a Christian properly understand the Sabbath. When I say the Lord, I'm talking about Jesus. I know not everybody here is yet a Christian. I know some of you are thinking about it. We're glad you're here. But for those of you who are Christians, how many of you who are Christians say, this, Jesus, is the Lord of my life. If, it, if that's you, say amen. amen. I want you to say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. Say it with me. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Okay, so the Lord of the Sabbath has some thoughts about the Sabbath. Always remember, when it comes to the Sabbath or any law from God, 
Jesus always prioritizes human needs over religious rules. The reason why Jesus is okay with his disciples grabbing the grain and eating it is because they were hungry. Didn't it technically maybe somewhat kind of break one of the laws of God? He cares more about human needs than religious rules. That's who he is. I um, was talking with a buddy of mine who's a pastor down in Florida, was a pastor down in Florida for many years, and um, they had a rule in their church that you had to, you know, kind of dress more appropriately when you came to church. They had like church attire. You know the South, it's very different than here, and there's just certain rules, you know, culturally, and it's kind of weird, you know, but it was them. It was what they did. Well, they had been praying and asking that God would bring in people that didn't know about Jesus. Isn't it wonderful when people who don't know about Jesus find their way into church, they hear about Jesus, they repent and receive Christ and their whole life has changed? Isn't it wonderful when people meet Jesus? Amen? Amen. So this person shows up. They've been praying and this person shows up. They hadn't had visitors in church for a while, I guess. And, and this lady shows up and she's a younger lady. And this, you could tell she had never been here before. She's kind of out of place. All the people in the church are like, oh, there's a new person. Hello, you know. Like, man, you're acting weird. And so this lady came in and she sat down and, uh, and, and she apparently wore something that was, would not necessarily in their church be considered appropriate church attire. Her shoulders were showing. Go, oh! I'm gonna say her shoulders were showing. I want you to be very religious. Go, oh! okay, her shoulders were showing. Oh! I know. <laughs> and she came in and you could tell, the pastor told me, you could tell she was nervous to be there. She was nervous. She'd never been, I guess, in church before, at least in that church. And she's looking around. She's by herself. She sits down. Nobody comes to say hi. She's just kind of like just sitting there, just wants to know about God, not about these people's rules, about God. And this, this elderly, sweet, grandmother, soft headed woman, very compassionate, but also kind of dumb. She sees this woman and she goes to a back broom closet and finds an old shawl and brings the shawl up and drapes it over the visitor and grabs her by the shoulder and says, now you're appropriate for church, honey. How many of you agree with me? This woman probably is not gonna hear much about Jesus that day. Even if the sermon was clearly about Jesus, she's just been put off by an entire religious community that thinks themselves so much better than this person. Am I right or am I wrong? That is wickedness. Do you know what? Jesus prioritizes human needs over your religious rules. Now, clearly, the Pharisees had different priorities. The Pharisees loved to think about and fight about and talk about all their religious rules, but Jesus says, I want to know the person. I want to know the person. Amen? This church will always be that, by the way. Can I get an amen? amen. Number, number two, under this thought, you need to grasp this. When it comes to the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus prefers to give mercy over receiving sacrifice. Jesus prefers to give mercy over receiving sacrifice. If you played a game with Jesus, if you played, would you rather with Jesus? You say, Jesus, would you rather have somebody sacrifice something to you or would you rather give mercy to somebody? Jesus, every time, would say, oh, I would rather give mercy to people. 
say, how do you know that? Because this story not only takes place in the book of Luke, it takes place in the book of Matthew. And in this passage in Matthew, it specifically says, go to it on the screen, Matthew 12, in the story, Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, if you had known what it means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. He's saying your problem, people, is that you're so focused on sacrificing all of your your desires to God and all of your freedom to God. He's saying, why don't you give these disciples some mercy and let them eat? We understand about Jesus this. Some of you come to God and you're thinking to yourself, well, I've come to God, now I've just gotta give him everything, I sacrifice everything, I give everything. God is very little concerned about what you're gonna give him and he's really concerned about what he wants to give you. He wants to give you mercy. You see, you deserve, let's be blunt, You and I both, we deserve hell and we deserve all sorts of wickedness and we deserve the things we get because we're sinners. But God loves us so much. He says, I don't wanna give you hell and I don't wanna give you what you deserve. I wanna have mercy on you and I wanna bring you into my family. That's who God is. But religion says, if you're only gonna go to God, the only way to go to God is through sacrifice. So you better give this to God and give that to God and sacrifice this to God. And if you give God everything, then maybe he'll accept you. And God says, would you rather? Oh, I know what I'd rather. I'd rather give mercy. The third thought we need to understand about the Lord of the Sabbath is found in the gospel of Mark. Jesus created the Sabbath as a gift for man. Remember I said this story is found not only in Luke, but in Matthew. And in Mark, there's another thought in this story that you must see. In Mark's passage, it says the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. In this passage, it reminds us us that when God establishes a law, he does it as a gift to you. You were not created to follow the laws of God. The laws of God were given to you as a gift to help guide you in life. It's a completely different mindset. Religious people think humans were created to follow God's laws. You were not created to follow God's laws. You were created because God loves you and he wants to be with you for eternity. You say, then why do we have rules from God, laws from God, biblical precepts? Why? So that you, as a gift from God, know how to live your life so you don't screw it up. Does this make sense? If you come from a mindset that's like, well, I better obey all the laws of God because the laws of God, that's why I was created, to obey the laws of God, you're missing the whole point. Even the rules and laws in the Bible are given to you as a gift so you can be happy. You know why Bible says don't commit adultery? The Bible says don't, the Bible gives you says don't commit adultery, not because he doesn't want you to have any fun, it's because he doesn't want you to have to sit down to your kids and explain why you're getting a divorce. That's not cool, it's not exciting, that's not great. So he says, hey, so you don't mess up and screw up your life and your family? Maybe don't sleep with everybody. Right? Does this make sense? God says, thou shalt not lie. Yes, you shalt not lie. Why should you not lie? Because God doesn't want me to have any fun. No, God doesn't want you to be an untrustworthy idiot. Where your kids don't trust you and your parents don't trust you, your friends don't trust you, and your work doesn't trust you. So he says, hey, 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 I've got a a good rule for you. Here's a gift. If you don't lie to people, you'll be trustworthy. People will like you. And you're like, oh man, I'm going to follow God's laws. This is understanding the Lord of the Sabbath. And really it's understanding all of God's laws. They're a gift to you. When it comes to the Sabbath, it sure is a gift. I have several friends who are Jewish who celebrate the Sabbath the right way. And as they celebrate the Sabbath the right way, they focus on a time of rest, 
time of peace, a time of family, a time with God. And that leads us to our third point, and that is living the Sabbath. Living the Sabbath. Who, I want you to answer out loud, shout it back to me, who is the disruptor in this story? Who's the disruptor? Jesus. Jesus is the disruptor. And in his day, Jesus is the one who comes in and flips over the table, changes everything on him. And back then, the way he challenged them, the way he disrupted them, was by saying, you're taking the Sabbath way too seriously. I think if Jesus came to our society, he would not say, you're taking the Sabbath way too seriously. I think he would disrupt our culture by saying, you're not taking the Sabbath seriously at all. Because that's what's happening for us. I think if he was here today, he would say, I don't think you understand why you should have a day off. Let me say that again. You should have a day off. Can I get an amen? amen? You really should. I really do pity some of you. I love you. I love you. And with my love comes a little pity. Pity the fool. That's, that's, the, that's what I... And here's why. Here's why. Because some of you, even while you're sitting in church, are thinking to yourself, I got to get back to work. I got to get back to work. Got to get back to work. I got to... You need to chill out. There are three principles that relate to the Sabbath. And I believe you should take a Sabbath. Not as a rule from God, but as a gift from God. Say, what does living the Sabbath mean in my life today? Well, three things that are consistent with all Sabbath principle. The first one is rest. The second one is devotion. And the third one is family. Your Sabbath that you should be taking on a weekly basis, it's good for you. If I don't take a Sabbath, does God not like me? No, God likes you no matter what, loves you no matter what. You're just dumb. Why would you refuse a gift from God like this? It should include rest. Hey, let me say it this way to some of you workaholics. And I love Las Vegans because Las Vegans are, man, they're go-getters, they're entrepreneurs, they're out there, they're, they're hustling, man, you're gonna get it done. Can I just say to you, if it doesn't get done in six, if you can't get it done in six days, it doesn't need to get done. It doesn't need to get done. Stop hustling and give yourself a moment of peace. Rest. Number two, devotion. You know what your, 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 your week your weekly Sabbath should, should include, your Shabbat, it should include a time alone with God, just enjoying God. There's nothing better than waking up late, taking your Bible, sitting in a beautiful place, and just studying, just studying about God for a little bit by yourself. Play some Christian music, turn off the TV, spend some time alone reading the Bible in prayer, like, I know some of you have a daily time with God, and if your daily time with God is like mine, you're rushing through it, right? 10 minutes, finish it up and run to the first meeting. But on your Sabbath, you can have a luxurious, long, extensive, wonderful, peaceful time with Jesus. Family. Part of the tradition of the Jewish community when it comes to the Sabbath is to have a family dinner where you bless each of your children. You literally, the father places his hands over the child and puts a blessing and looks them into the eyes and talks about their gifts and their skills and their goodness and how he believes in them and believes in their future and then prays over each one. Why don't we follow our Judeo-Christian heritage and practice a Sabbath that way? Spend time with our family? Now, I don't want you to be all pharisaical about it, legalistic, or become hyper-religious about it. 
making all sorts of rules. Like, could you imagine if your boss, like I said before, comes into you? Imagine, your boss comes in and sits everybody down. Everybody sit down, I've got a big announcement. You're like, oh no, what's the announcement? And he pulls out a piece of paper. I have now established that everybody is gonna now take an extra day off. No work, everybody has to take off Mondays, if you guys work on Monday. And everybody has to go home and take off. How many of you would love that if you did say amen? You'd love that. Then you have an HR rep come in. And the HR rep is like, we're thankful for a boss who gave us a day off. I've got some rules. Rule number one about your day off, you must stay in bed till 9 a.m. The boss wants you to rest, you need to rest. So rule number one, stay in bed till 9 a.m. No media, don't pick up your phone. If you do, you broke the law and you're done. Rule number two, you must not get overstimulated. Which means no friends, no games, no sports, no exercise, no cooking, no shopping. Enjoy your day off. It's about rest. Rule number three, no food that is too difficult to digest. We don't want your, you know, guts doing extra overtime here. Some of you, no meat, no dairy. Enjoy your day off from your boss. And suddenly, the good thing that you've been given has been corrupted and turned into a burden. And I've got to tell you, man, being a Christian is a good thing, but some of you have turned being a Christian into a heavy burden of rules and regulations and responsibilities, and it's exhausting. And your Sabbath literally could be a gift from God. For some of you, that Sabbath could be a Sunday. I'm going to end with this. For some of you, your, your Lord's Day should be Sunday. It means you wake up late, later than normal, show up to church, get there five minutes late. It's cool. Jesus loves me, right? <laughs> Pastor's cool, right? And you just enjoy your time of devotion with God. Then you go to lunch, go to brunch with friends, leisurely enjoying it. Oh, I got to go make this deal. I got to go make this sale. I got to go talk to this person. I got to go to work. No, stop. Just go to lunch. Then later on in the afternoon, take a nap. Take a nap. Say that again. I need an amen. Take a nap. Some of you are like, I love you, pastor. I love you too. I'm just telling you what God wants. Like, why don't you do that? Take a day. For some of you, by the way, that means you can get involved with church, but it means you should. If Sunday is your Sabbath day, then how about keep it holy and don't volunteer for 5,000 things? Some of you love Jesus so much, that's awesome. But now your only day to rest has now become a seven-hour extension of work, another work day. You work six days for the world and one day for Jesus, and you're going to die early. <laughs> Take a day off. Take a day off. Take a day off. Now, for some of you, Sunday can't be your Sabbath because you literally are serving Jesus. You're like me. You're here all the day, all time on Sunday. And if that's what God's calling you to do as a lay person or as a minister, that's fine too. Then serve all day on Sunday, work for God, but then take another day of the week. Saturday is my Sabbath. Just wake up whenever I want to. Whenever I want to. When, when I get texts from you people, I ignore you. <laughs> I really do. You're like, I know, I know. I don't answer. Why? I don't care. Not today. Today's Jesus and me and family and rest and Netflix and it's gonna be a good day. So when is your day? When is your Sabbath? Friend, what I've learned 
is that Jesus himself not only wants to disrupt what's going on here, he wants to disrupt your life. And for some of you, that might mean pause and have the discipline of rest. Create those boundaries, but keep them for you and don't enforce them on others. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word, the beauty that's found in these simple five verses. I pray that we would follow it so much that we learned today about legalism and about how you're the Lord of the Sabbath and how we can live the Sabbath. I do pray, Father, that we would properly live the Sabbath and then not hold our rules over the heads of those who have not yet learned those things. I pray as we leave this place, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit's power and, and, and strength to obey what you've called us to co obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for watching Josh Tice's most recent Bible sermon. If you think of someone who may enjoy this one, go ahead and send it or post it today. If you're ever in Las Vegas on Sunday, we'd love for you to stop by Southern Hills and see us in person. If you benefit from this virtual ministry, we'd also like to encourage you to support our gospel efforts by sending a donation to the ministries of Southern Hills. You can do so by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab.